Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord and give him praise. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning over to the book of Mark chapter 2, verse 21. Amen. It's good to feel the presence of the Lord here today, and it's good to be worshiping with you all and to have you all in church in Jesus' wonderful name. There's just nothing like gathering together as one body of believers. Amen. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 2 and verse 21. The Bible says, No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. New wine must be put into new bottles. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject, patches and broken bottles. Patches and broken bottles. Would you set down your Bibles? And would you pray with us here today that God would speak to every heart? Come on, would you pray in the name of Jesus that today, as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, the birth of the church, that God, you're still in the business of changing lives for good. You're still in the business of filling us up with good things, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Patches and broken bottles. The context of this scripture that I read to you here this afternoon is like many that you will find in the in the life of Jesus Christ. He is going about, the Bible would say, doing good. And as much good as he's doing, he's healing the sick, he is raising the dead, he is, he is performing miracles, he is teaching about the kingdom of God, he's teaching about repentance and, and making your life right, and uh, he's going about doing good. Uh, good being defined beyond what our society might define as good. He is coming with what I would call the divine good. Uh, because no man, no woman can define what is good. Only God can define what is truly and ultimately good. There's things that, that God does that maybe you or I might not see as good. But in his vantage point, his ways being above our ways and his thoughts being above our thoughts, he's able to look and say that it is, in fact, good. And in the midst of doing good, the Bible says that the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees are constantly afflicting the ministry of Jesus particularly in our context here today, 
we see the Pharisees being a constant nuisance for Jesus. They are continually showing up in the midst of his good doing to try to question him on whether or not he is following their religious traditions. They had become comfortable with the ministry of John. They had, begotten, they had gotten to the point where they had accepted the ministry of John. And for those that maybe don't know, the ministry of John was that of preaching repentance, that every high thing was to be brought low. Every low thing was to be brought up. He was talking about everything getting to an equal playing field. They were okay with every crooked path being made straight. This was something they could get with because this, in fact, was the message of the Pharisees that everybody in society just needs to line up. That sounds a lot like our world today. Everybody just needs to line up and get better. What a, what a great message that sounds like. And, and Jesus shows up on the scene, and he is preaching that everybody needs to repent. I want you to understand that Jesus didn't come preaching a different message. Jesus did say, you need to come up if you're down. And if you're a little lofty, you need to come down. And if you're a little crooked, come on. It's this Jesus that will meet a crooked tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. And something inside of Zacchaeus will begin to shift and change and say, I can't be a crook anymore. I've got to straighten out my path. Amen. But, but the thing that the Pharisees didn't like about Jesus is the fact that he was going about it a completely different way. Jesus was still preaching the same message, but Jesus was, in fact, getting completely different results. The Pharisees were okay with everybody repenting as long as they went to the other extreme, as being as righteous or self-righteous as themselves. But they were not okay with how drastically people began to change when they met Jesus. People started really changing. They went from one activity of sin to following Jesus and walking in his ways. And it started making the Pharisees nervous that Jesus had something that was more effective than what they had. Amen. It makes people nervous when there is something that is causing a greater, more realistic change. It makes societies nervous. It makes governments nervous. It makes potentates nervous. It makes dictators nervous. You want to know why they try to outlaw the church in every other nation that they can in the world? Because they see that there is real change when Jesus shows up. There is a reason that our world out there would rather get rid of Pentecost as a whole, would rather get rid of the church as a whole, because instead of just being a patch to our society's problems, we've got the answer that they need. Oh, somebody clap your hands and magnify Jesus. Man, they had no problem with John. John fell right into their mold. Uh, at least to some degree. He, they still had a little bit of a problem because he was, in fact, righteous, whereas they were self-righteous. But they could hide behind their mask and their cloak of self-righteousness that they truly seemed to care when, in fact, they did not. 
and John would do everything and say everything that they said, but he would do it with an act of care. And, and they came to Jesus, and they began to question him. Why aren't your disciples like John's? Why don't they line up the way that John's disciples lined up? Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples did? And, and Jesus immediately begins to speak to them in these two parables that I'm going to preach about today. Jesus began to tell them about the fact that nobody cuts off a new garments piece just to patch up an old one. And he, the ESV would translate this phrase as an unsunk, unshrunk patch of cloth. Amen. Anybody that's worked with cotton knows if you throw it in the wash, it begins to shrink. And it gets smaller than before. And, and, and what, what the Bible is saying is nobody takes a new perfectly good garment and begins to cut away pieces and begins to patch up the old garment. You see, in those days, garments were expensive. And we think clothes are expensive today. We all have, amen, a different change of garments. But it was, it was a sign of wealth that you had multiple clothing and changes of garments. It was, it was a, this is why it is so intriguing that Jesus tells a, par a parable about heaven. And at that parable, he invites all of the people to come. There's people from every walk of life. He, the highways and the byways, the hedges. He calls for people that are broke. He calls for people that are sick. He calls for people because that's, a, that's what the church is for. Amen. He didn't just call for those wealthy and elite. And people were coming to this feast. They were coming to this marriage. But they did not have a, a, a garment that would work for that occasion. They could not afford it. The Bible is letting us know something. That, that garments are not cheap. Garments are expensive. And the Bible says that that king, that great king, provided everybody with a garment for the occasion. Amen. In other words, it is a typology and a symbol that when you and I could not afford to make it all the way to heaven, that there was a great king in heaven that paid our way. Oh, somebody magnify him. Somebody praise him. I don't know about you, but I think back on my life. I could not have afforded to be in the church, but there was a king in heaven that made a way. I, I could not have made it on my own, but there was a king in heaven that said, don't worry, I've got it all taken care of. Praise God. God's been taking care of new garments for a long time. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but it is here that Jesus is trying to present to them that, that it would be absurd to take an expensive garment and to begin to cut away at it and to begin to, to rip it to pieces just to try to keep what you've always had and what you've always experienced and to take that new piece of garment and to try to make a mosaic on your old garment. Amen. In other words, there's a lot of people, Jesus is talking to them, and he's saying it would be absurd for you to walk around in a quilt. Quilts are something you sleep with. It's not something that you wear. Now, there's some folks in this fashion today, they wear stuff that I think is a quilt, but uh, I don't know. But 
But if you start seeing me with patches, please, you know, bless me with something. I don't, I don't know, but maybe it's a style. I, I'll never forget when, uh, when they started making ripped jeans cool again. Uh, I had ripped jeans, but they weren't because it was cool. They'd just been worn for so long. So it was just something that I thought, man, I finally made it. And then they started patching them up, and I thought, man, I just I missed it. I missed out on the fat. But, uh, but regardless, these garments, they were, they were old. They were raggedy. They were run down. And Jesus is telling these Pharisees something they would understand because, you see, it was the Pharisees that would walk around these religious elites and the elites of society. And, and, and if you will, they were the law of the land. And they walked around uh, strutting everything. The Bible said they would walk around in long, flowing robes and that, that they had their garments that were, were just sweeping around everywhere they went. And they were always perfect. And, and, and the Bible says they fussed about everything from from the disciples fasting to uh, making sure that they were washing their hands every five seconds. Now, I think that's probably a good thing in this season, but, but they didn't do it for cleanliness based on hygiene. They did it so that they could show everybody else how much better they were than everyone around them. They'd grab up some Germex and just, oh, I'm better than everybody. Now in this generation, please be blessed and be anointed by Germex. But, but they would do that to try to show that they were better. And these, 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 these people, they wouldn't allow not one speck of dirt on their garment. They wouldn't allow their garments to look less than they should be. They weren't wrinkled. They weren't with spots. Uh, amen. They were trying to do everything to show everybody else we are better than you. And Jesus is speaking right back to that old system and that old way of thinking and he said nobody including you would take an old garment that you have that's run down ripped up and you would take from a new garment you would cut away and you would begin to patch up your old garment he then proceeded to tell them he said neither does any man put new wine in old bottles they didn't have bottles like we have. They didn't have plastic like we have. They didn't have glass like we have. Uh, they did have jars, but what they would do, another translation, another portion of Scripture says, no man puts new wine in old wine skins. What they would do is they would take goat skins, and these goat skins, they would stitch them up, and they would pour in the new wine. And as that wine began to ferment, it would begin to expand and gases would begin to move. And that wineskin, that goat skin, it had elasticity and it was able to stretch to the level to be able to hold what was just poured into it. But eventually it becomes an old wineskin. It becomes an old bottle. It starts to lose its elasticity. It stops to lose its ability to stretch. And, and it's because of the acidity of what has been put on the inside of it. And Jesus is saying, just like you wouldn't put a patch of a new garment on your old garment, nobody would take new wine, something that's precious, something that's expensive, something that's a commodity. Nobody would take that and pour it into an old wineskin or an old bottle because there comes a point where that goat skin no longer has the elasticity. It's already stretched to its max. It's already gone as far as it can go. And if you were to put a new wine in it, it would burst. It would explode. It would not have the capacity to hold what you just put in it. I came to preach to somebody today. 
Amen. Patches do not work. I came to help somebody. We're living in a society that's got patchwork, but patches don't work. We've got a society that says, give me something better, give me something new, but they want to keep their old systems. They want to keep their old ways. They want to keep their old thought processes. And God says, nobody in their right mind says, let me keep a little bit of my old self and give me something new. Nobody's says just patch me up God I'll be all right oh somebody clap your hands and magnify Jesus patches don't work and I'll tell you why patches don't work because it's an unshrunk piece of cloth and that unshrunk piece of cloth when it is stitched onto the old garment it's newer it's got more strength to it it comes from a a, a better and newer piece of garment and when you stitch it in there that 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 stitching and all of that garment it has not it has the strength that the rest of the garment does not have and when you wash that garment when you begin to clean that garment that old garment it's been used to being washed in the old dirty water it has no problem but when you try to take that new cloth patch amen that's been stitched onto that old garment as you begin to wash it it begins to shrink and it begins to create tension. Can I preach to somebody that you're trying to live your own life and have a little bit of Jesus as well? There's tension. Oh, I came to preach to somebody. There's tension and it's pulling because Jesus doesn't just want a little piece of your life. He wants the whole thing. Oh, somebody love him all across the building. Come on, lift up your hands and magnify him. Come on, I came to preach to somebody. You got tension in your life. You're trying to figure out why there's so much tension. I'll tell you why there's so much tension. Because God's pulling at you. God's reaching for you. Come on, somebody. God's reaching and he's pulling. That old garment can't handle the patch. It's not meant to handle the patchwork. And he says that that tension, it begins to rip at the garment. And the hole that was covered up by the patch now gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And Jesus says, because you try to patch it up, it ruins the entire garment. Because if you try to patch up your life, I know a lot of people that they, 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 they think they can go to Joann's and patch up their life. They think they can go to Hobby Lobby and patch up their life. There's people that we, they do that on a natural level. But I want to talk to some folks on a spiritual level. They think that they can patch up their life with a new relationship. Ooh, hallelujah. They've got a hole in their life because of a previous relationship, a past divorce. Amen. Maybe a family member that had wronged them. And they think that maybe, just maybe, if I can patch it up, I can cover up that gaping hole with this new thing. And they're always looking for something new to fill the gap. But every time that new thing shrinks and it doesn't perform what you thought it would perform, there's people that they have one broken relationship 
relationship, uh, one broken marriage. Uh, and so they hop over. They leave that one because that person was the problem, not me. And they move over to the next thing, and they patch it up, and everything's happy for a little while. And a couple years go by, and, and everybody's happy, and then there's some money troubles. Uh, and then things start to shrink, uh, and there's tension. Oh, come on, somebody. And they can't figure out why uh, that it's not working. And now they've got a bigger gaping hole in their life because they left that one and now they're moving on to the next one can I preach to somebody you can't go after a new patch thinking it's going to fix your whole life that's not the will of God God wants to give you a new garment God wants to give you a new life oh somebody magnify him somebody praise him people try to patch it up with relationships people try to patch it up with just being religious Going to church once in a while, Easter and Christmas, thinking that that will get them through. Amen. But the rest of their life remains the same. Some people try to patch their life up with negative things, a negative relationship. But there's other people that, yes, they try to patch themselves up with things that are, quote, unquote, good. And they try to get religious or go to church. And I think going to church is a great thing. But if you, if you come to church with no intention to change, it's going to create tension in your life. Because God's not going to be second rate to anybody. He's going to pull. He's going to pull. He's going to pull. Because God will not allow himself just to have one portion of your life. It's God's intent that when you welcome him into your life, he wants to take over. He wants to expand. You need to have a whole new garment. Then Jesus says, nobody takes and puts that, that patch on an old garment. And nobody puts new wine into an old bottle. Because eventually, it will burst the bottle. It will come and it will explode. And everything will be lost. Some people think, well, I'll go and patch my life up. And others say, well, I'll just get something uh, to fill me up. And this is why people go and they search for drugs and they search for alcohol and they try to search. There's some people try to patch up with a relationship. These people are focused on the external. And as long as I drive a nice car, nobody will notice how busted and ripped up my life really is. And on an external level, they'll think I've got everything together and they'll, they'll patch up a mask over their life. And everybody will think, man, Jim's got it all together. He's got a nice house. He's got a nice car. He seems to have a nice house happy family but on the inside uh, he's feeling the tension and things are ripping apart and there's other people that they say, well, I'll just go find some inner peace. I'll go meditate. I'll go and I'll experience something. I would even say it this way. There's some people that come to church and would get the Holy Ghost, the new wine, which is a good thing. But they don't want to change any portion of their life. And what happens is there begins to get pressure. At one level, they're experiencing tension. But now, amen, from an internal level, they're experiencing pressure. God's trying to burn on his way out he's not he doesn't want to be confined by our old paradigms God is not confined to our old ways of thinking 
Can I preach to somebody? We're living in a generation and a society that is just like this, just like the Pharisees that Jesus is preaching to. They think they can fix society's outward woes with just a little patchwork, and they think that they can fix, amen, the rifts that are deep down in society just by pouring in a little bit of wine and thinking we'll just legislate morality and we can fix this if we just create a new law. We can fix this if we just hand out another stimulus. But can I preach to somebody that is not going to work? Oh, somebody love them all across the building. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. We're living in a society that thinks we can patch it up. They're thinking that we can just keep our old systems. We can keep our old ways of thinking and try to pour some new way of thinking on the inside. But you're limited. Your capacity is limited. And God wants to break out. God wants to pull away. God wants more. People that think patches work, they, this, there's a problem when people get... They get into certain realms of our society thinking they can patch it up. They're, they're so focused on fixing the external, we'll just smooth it over. There's, there's people, and I don't want to get political. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm more uh, in the middle of everything. I, don't, I, don't, I kind of stay out of it. But, but there's people that think, well, let's just, let's just smooth over everything that's been going on the last few weeks. Let's just, let's just patch it up and nobody will notice and we'll just keep on going. But there's tension. There's tension in our society. And there's other people who say, well, let's just, let's just, let's just seal it up. And, and we'll just, there's, there's people that have new ways of thinking that are saying, we gotta, we got to change this. we got to change this. And they're saying, let's bottle them up and let's slow them down. And let's stop them. And, and now there's pressure and there's tension. We're living in a society that is full of tension and pressure. I'll tell you what the issue is, is that we're trying to take something new and put it on something old. But I've got, I hope to help somebody here today uh, to help you realize what the answer is, uh, amen, for your life, uh, what the answer is for society. I don't claim to have the answers, uh, but I do claim the Bible has the answers. And Jesus is saying if nobody would patch it up, uh, if nobody would try to fill in uh, that old way of thinking with a new way of thinking, uh, he said you got to get a new garment uh, and you need to get a new bottle. you got to get a new wineskin. I come to help somebody that Pentecost is in fact the answer for our society. I came to preach that Pentecost is the answer for our world. Pentecost is in fact the answer for your life. Pentecost is the answer to racism because my Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. We've all been made to drink of one spirit. When you get a hold of a Pentecostal experience, being filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, you got a new garment. You got a new wine skin. He's filled you all the way in the name of Jesus. Somebody magnify him. Come on, let's love him all across the building. Let's love him. 
I came to help somebody. You've been trying to patch up your life. You've been just trying to say, well, I'll just keep my old way of living, my old way of thinking. But you kept boundaries on God. And God's saying, I want to burst out of that. I want to break out of that. God's saying, I didn't want to get you to patch up life. I want to fix it all. People that try to patch up things, smooth everything over. It just makes the tension worse. It just makes the tension worse. We're living in a society like that. Amen. They think they can just smooth over. Amen. Social injustices and now racism just going to go away. I, I want you to know that's not how it works. We need a new garment. Amen. Church, we need, we need to represent. <laughs> We need to represent the new garment. We need to represent the new and living way. We've got to represent to our society, amen, that, that it, racism might be an issue in the world, but it ain't an issue in the church. Come on. Come on, classism and feeling like you're above everybody else and everybody's below you doesn't exist in the church because we prefer one another. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and began to preach to them. And some said these men are full of new wine and they weren't too far from the truth. You're right, we've been filled up with new wine. But just like Jesus told us, we've already got ourselves a new bottle. We've already got ourselves a new wineskin. We're prepared for however much God wants to expand us. There's, there's things that happen in our society that we can't always speak to. But, but what happens is we've got so many old paradigms and ways of thinking that when we try to pour a new wine, or if, if I could put it this way, some people want to pour the Holy Ghost into their old way of thinking. It, it just can't be contained. God wants to take everybody to an expanded level. God wants to take everybody to a higher level. Amen. God's not interested in just keeping you where you are, but God's interested in elevating. God's interested in expanding. That's why God says, hey, we got to change all of this. And when they asked Peter, what shall we do? What do we got to do? We've got, we understand just like the Pharisees understood what Jesus was saying. You've got old garments and you're trying to patch it up so you can feel better than everybody else. You've got old wineskins, but you feel the pressure of what I've been preaching. And it's trying to expand on you. And that's why they didn't like Jesus. But Jesus is telling them, you've got to be converted. You need a new walk. You need a new life. You need a new garment. You need a new paradigm. You need a new way of thinking. And Peter stands up to preach to everybody that's living as best as they know. Can I help somebody understand? There are multiple Pentecosts that we find in the Bible. There are. There's multiple. It was called the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost. There was seven weeks, 49 days, where they would feast. But then there was one extra day, and that day was Pentecost. Pentecost, which means the 50th day. They've been celebrating. They've been partying. But when it came time for that 50th day, the priest would step forward with two loaves of fresh bread. He'd stand forward with two loaves of 
of bread that were that were different than all the stuff they've been eating heretofore. But he stood forward. It was from the fresh harvest. It was from because this is a feast of the harvest, a feast of weeks to celebrate the harvest that was coming. And on the 50th day, that priest would have bread. But here was the difference. It wasn't unleavened bread like they had at the Passover. It wasn't bread that lacked the leaven and the yeast. But this bread had been given the leaven. It was leavened bread. It was risen bread. And he came forth on the day of Pentecost. And he lifted it up before the Lord and said, This new harvest that we just got, it's been risen. It's been resurrected. Can I preach to somebody? You can't walk into Pentecost with unleavened bread. You can't walk into Pentecost with old bottles. You can't walk into Pentecost with your old way of thinking, with an old garment. But you got to have a new harvest. you got to have a new life. you got to have a new name called over you. Somebody lift up your name. Your, your hands and magnify him. Come on, let's magnify Jesus. I'm just about done preaching. I came to help somebody. When you stand on the day of Pentecost, you need to present before God something new, something fresh. And Peter's about to preach on this Pentecost. They would do that on previous Pentecost. But if you look into the book of Exodus, you will find that they got through Egypt. They went through the first Passover. But now here they are at, 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 the, at, the, at the Mount Sinai. And, and the Bible says that Moses is up there. What does he have? Two tables of stone. He's got two tables of stone, a law and commandments that he could teach them. And he comes down. And as he comes down the mountain, they're not living the way they should live because they walked into Pentecost from the Passover with an old way of thinking. I came to help somebody. They walked in thinking that they could be idolatrous. They walked in thinking they could live any way they wanted to live. They could act however they wanted to live. Amen. But the truth is they had patches just trying to patch up their old Egyptian lifestyle. Just like it was. They had an old way of thinking. They were Israelites with an Egyptian mindset. With an Egyptian paradigm. And they walked forward to that mountain. And the Bible says that while Moses is up there, he's He's trying to bring them back uh, some fresh bread to them. Uh, two tables uh, that are lifted up before the Lord. Uh, the Bible says they're committing all sorts of heinous acts. Uh, and the Bible says they're, they're worshiping a golden calf. Because if you try to walk into Pentecost with the old way of thinking and the old way of living, and the Bible says that in that day, he said, who's on the Lord's side? And if the Levites said, we're on the Lord's side. And the Bible says that 3,000 died in that day. I came to help somebody. You walk into Pentecost the wrong way. And I'm not talking about people coming into the church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that when you want a change of life and you want God to give you newness of life, but you want to keep your old ways and your old man, it's going to burst your bottle. It's going to rip your garment. But God is not saying, I want to burst you and I want to break you. God's saying, I want to give you something new. I want to give you something fresh. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Three thousand people died because when he came down with that law, when he came down with something fresh, they weren't ready for it. But you fast forward all the way to Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost. 
And they said, these men are drunk. They're full of new wine. And Peter says, you're not too far from the truth. We're not as drunk as you suppose. <laughs> we're not drunk with wine. But what the Bible would later say, we're filled with the Spirit. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. You know what Peter was doing? Peter was coming down before them uh, with some fresh harvest. 120 in the upper room uh, saying, hey, these are, these are not unleavened. These are not full of old wine. These are not old wineskins. These are, these are people that have completely been transformed, uh, completely been made new. Uh, they're not unleavened from the Passover, but they're risen uh, just like Jesus was risen from the dead. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. And there, Peter begins to preach to them about Jesus. You know what he's doing? He's trying to shift the way they've been thinking. He's saying, you can't stay the way you are. You can't keep the way you've been thinking. He says, if you want to truly encounter and experience Pentecost, it's not enough just get the new wine on the inward. Because if you just get the inward, it'll burst all the way to the outward. And you can't just be like the Pharisees where you got the patches and you got the outward, but there's no inward. There'll be tension or there'll be pressure or there will be both. But Peter begins to preach when they said, what do we got to do? And Peter stands up and says, you got to repent and be baptized. You know what he said? You got to change your life. You got to change your mind. You need not a patch on your garment, but you need a new garment. Can I preach? When you baptize in Jesus' name, it's getting a new garment. The old man, the Bible says, is passed away. All things are become as new. When you get baptized, you might have had a quilt life. You might have had a patchwork life. But when you get baptized, you get a new garment. You get a new Something shifts. Something changes. When God looks at you, when God looks at me, he doesn't see patchwork. He sees the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He sees a new creation. He sees a new creature. He sees a brand new garment. Let's lift up our hands and let's love him. Come on, let's love him for just a moment. When you repent of your sins and you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're preparing yourself to be ready for a Pentecost experience. When you repent, say, God, I'm sorry. You're preparing your heart. You're preparing your mind for a Pentecost experience. You're ready to be filled. It's that new wineskin. When you're baptized, it's that new wineskin. All things, the Bible says, are passed away. All things are become new. You prepared yourself to receive whatever God has for you. You prepared your life for that new wine to come on the inside. And the Bible would say that he continued on, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission, the washing away of your sins. All things are passed away, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can now be poured into. He says, if you'll take care of baptism, amen, where you allow your body, where you allow your physicality, amen, to go under the water by the name of Jesus Christ, amen, and now you come up out of that water, he can fill you all the way with the Holy Ghost. I came to help somebody. 
And on this Pentecost, the Bible says when they were listening to this, they were pricked, they were convicted in their heart. Peter began to preach to them and tell them what they had to do. But you better believe it. The Bible says they that gladly received his word. Because those that are ready meant for a new wine, those that are ready for a new garment, there's some gladness that comes with it. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, it was a glad thing. It was a happy thing. You mean to tell me I can let all my old man die? You mean to tell me I don't got to go back to my old way of living? You mean to tell me I can think different? You mean to tell me I can live different? Something rose up on and inside of me that said I'm gladly receiving the word. of Nobody forced me to get baptized. Nobody forced me to repent. Nobody forced me to receive the Holy Ghost. I gladly... Is there anybody that gladly received the newness of life? Is there anybody that gladly came to church? Is there anybody that gladly got saved? Is there anybody that gladly let go of drugs? Is there anybody that, can I preach? Is there anybody that's glad when he said, let us go into the house of the Lord? Somebody stand and clap your hands unto him. They that gladly received his word. They that gladly. You know, people that want to keep their old garment, they don't gladly receive preaching. Uh, hallelujah. Those that want to keep their old way of thinking, the internal, they don't gladly receive the word of the Lord. But people that are so tired of this old world that are so tired of this old garment that's just patched up and they're tired of going from this relationship to that relationship. They're tired of trying to fill their life with all sorts of other things. Those that are so tired of being stretched to their limit and they can't handle it anymore. Those that are ready for a new wineskin and a new garment. In the name of Jesus, they are prepared and they are ready for God to completely fill them all the way to the brim. They are gladly receiving his word. Man, they that gladly received his word were baptized. Acts 2.41, if you wanted to look it up later. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. When that priest offered up those two, amen, loaves of bread, it was a symbol of an Old Testament, amen, and a New Testament. When, when, when Moses came with the tables, tables of stone, it was a symbol. He had multiple tablets. He had one set, and then he had a second set. One was written, amen, by the finger of God, and the other one was hewn out by Moses. And it was a symbol that there was a new Pentecost that was coming. There was another Pentecost that was about to show up. And at the first time we see Pentecost, amen, even poking its head in the Old Testament, 3,000 people weren't ready. 3,000 people died. But now in this new Pentecost, people are ready to let go of their old garments. They're ready to let go of their old paradigms. And 3,000 gladly receive his word and are baptized. 
Let's love them all across the building. Somebody shout in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout in the name of Jesus. I made it up in my mind. I'm going to be a part of the group that gladly receives. I'm going to live and not die. I'm going to be blessed and favored. Oh, let's lift up our hands and let's love him. Come on. I came to preach to somebody. You're living under an old Pentecost. You're living under an old way of thinking. Uh, patches and broken bottles. And that's all you know. But God's saying, let me make you new. Let me change you. Let me fill you all the way up. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, that new wine, it'll burst those old bottles. It'll break out of those old habits. It'll break out of those old ways of thinking. If it has to, or you can make it up in your mind, God, make me new. Make me new. So nothing is lost in the interim. So nothing's lost in the in-between. Make me new, Jesus. I don't want to have a bursting in my life. I don't want to have a tearing in my life that gets me ready for newness. I just want to receive it. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. There's people that walked in this building today. Patches all over their life. They got their old wineskin, their old bottle with them. They came saying, okay, God. Maybe this Sunday you can just patch me up again. You know, maybe this Sunday you can just fill me up with new wine again. Another Sunday where I feel the Holy Ghost. Another Pentecost where I feel the Holy Ghost. But by the week's end, it's burst and it's scattered everywhere and I've lost my Pentecost. Patch me up another service. And then by next week, the hole's worse. But God came to this building to give you a new garment. He came to give you a new bottle. You know, if somebody gets a new garment, I could try to rip this. It's going to take me a while. It's going to take a while to wear that down. And the beauty of Jesus is when I do wear it down and I rip it, it gives you a new one again. The beauty of a new bottle. I'm talking about a new external and a new internal because God cares about the whole man. The new bottle, it reaches its place where it can't hold anymore. There's people that maybe you've been full of the new wine for a long time, but you can't hold anything new. You can't hold anything else. You're at your max. Well, you can keep trying to hold it, but it bursts. That's why some people, when you try to try, you try to get them to come a little further. I'm, I'm helping somebody. I know it. You try to help them get a little further, and they resist change. They fight it. You know what it is? They're at their max. They're expanded as far as they can go. Their thinking is expanded as far as it goes. And I could preach till I'm blue in the face trying to get people to get a little more because God's got an elevated level for them, and God's got more for them. But their container is what David would say, my cup runneth over. 
My response to David is, go get a bigger cup. <laughs> My cup runneth over. If your cup runs over, get a bucket. If your bucket runs over, get a tub. If you just get whatever you can and tell your father. Pentecost was never meant to be something where you keep bringing the old thing over and over and over and over again. You don't bring the old stale bread from Pentecost last year. You bring it from a fresh harvest. And I hope by this time next year, by Pentecost next year, some people come to church with new bottles saying, Lord, I'm ready. I'm, what are you going to do this year, Lord? What are you going to expand me with this year? What are you going to fill me with this year? What are you going to change in my life this year? If you pray and say, God, give me a new garment, he'll give you a new garment. Absolutely. If you pray and say, God, I'm tired of patches and broken bottles. I need you to give me a new bottle, a new wineskin, because I need to get a bigger capacity. I don't know about you, but every, every time I get down to pray, I say, God, I want more. I want more. There's only one of two ways I'm going to get more. One, he pours it in because that's what I asked for. And it breaks me. And I scramble to gather up the pieces. And that brokenness was a blessing from God, but I'm struggling because I asked for more and I, I got what I asked for. And where I can pray and say, God, will you give me the ability to be ready for more? And God starts making some shifts and some changes, and, and he starts pouring me out into another way of thinking. And he starts, oh, I'm helping somebody. He starts pouring me into something new, and I start stepping in. And it is scary at first because it, it, it doesn't seem like I have as much. And maybe it feels like things are, things are just kind of leaving me, and things are expanding away from me, and I don't know what to do. And, and I get nervous, but I stick with it. And before it's all said and done, amen, I've expanded even further beyond what I thought possible and the next time I come back I say God let's do it again let's do it again let's do it again I want more somebody pray in the name of Jesus my prayer for your Pentecost today is not patches my prayer for your Pentecost today is not just God, amen, breaking through some things. But my prayer is that God would give you a new life, that God would give you a new way of thinking, that God would give you a new garment, that God would give you a bigger capacity for more. And then that God would fill you with it. I want you to lift up your hands and let's pray. I'm done preaching. I'm done preaching. Come on, God's saying on this Pentecost, do you want more? Are you ready to accept? you got to let go of the old bottle to, to take up the new. you got to let go of the old garment to take up the new. you got to let go of the old way of thinking to take up the new. God wants to give new revelation, but you got to let go. Amen. Sometimes of our old ways of thinking about God. Come on, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to take all of those things he's given you that are good and pour it in the new. He doesn't want you to lose anything in the process. I want us to pray. Come on, if you feel comfortable, I want to invite you to this altar. If you feel comfortable, I want you to come pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, right where you are, why don't you pray, God? I want more. 
I want more, God. If you, if you, I don't want to just have another patch. I don't want another little piece. God, I need newness. I need newness of life. God, I don't want you to just have to break through everything. I want to come with my cup ready for more. I want to come with a, I want to come ready to receive. Praise God. Come on, right where you are. I want you to pray. Come on, on this Pentecost. Well, I, well, I preach. I got the Holy Ghost years and years and years ago. I want you to know there's new wine for you today. There's new wine for you today, but you got to let them pour it into a newness of life, a new thought process. Come on, God wants to expand us beyond where we are. God wants to take us to another level, but we got to be willing to let them do it. If you have not received the Holy Ghost and you've been living with patches in your life, I want you to know you can you can be baptized in Jesus' name and he'll give you a new garment. Maybe, maybe you've not received the Holy Ghost. God will fill you up. You gotta just say, Lord, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up.
aside. I put my old bottle aside, and I'm ready. If you got newness for me, if you got more for me, if you want to fill me with more, I'm ready to receive whatever you have. right where you are. Somebody pray. Come on, that's what Pentecost brings with it. It brings newness and it brings a filling, fullness. Newness and fullness come with Pentecost. New garments, new wineskins, and new wine. 
I see people laying their patchwork down. I see people laying their old bottle down and saying, God, I need new. I need new. I'm tired of the old. It's happening right now. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, he's still doing it 2,000 years later. He's still doing it 2,000 years later. There is new life and there is fullness. There are new garments. There are new wineskins and there is fullness. Fullness.